Well, as we begin today, uh, a new series that will culminate Christmas night that I've titled From a Bethlehem Barn, we're beginning today with a look at the face of God. And I want to read to you, as we begin, a short excerpt from, um, from a book that I'm salvaging some great material from. By Max Lucado. It's, it's his latest book on Christmas is entitled Because of Bethlehem. And a great read for you if you want to pick that up. Uh, it's his, his latest. He writes here, <clears throat> some years ago, I wrote a chapter titled 25 Questions for Mary in which I imagined the ponderings of that young Mary about Jesus. The idea captured the students to make a list of questions. The, I'm sorry, the idea captured the imagination of an elementary school teacher. She asked her students to make a list of questions they would have liked to ask young Mary. Here's some of the responses. Could you believe that you were pregnant for the whole world? Were you scared of not doing a good job? What was Jesus' first word as a baby? Was he beautiful? Did he ever get sick? Did Jesus ever misbehave? Was Jesus born with hair? What was his favorite food? Did you feel any holier? Did he ever have a pet? Did his face look like yours or Joseph's? I love that question because his face looked like his father's. We want to see today from this text a little, back, little bit of background into the face of God and then looking into the face of Jesus and seeing the face of God. It's where we're headed today. So turn to Genesis. We're going to be in several places today. Turn to Genesis as we begin in Genesis 32. And we'll see a story here of what an encounter with the face of God does to Jacob and how he responds to that. Chapter 32 of Genesis, picking up in verse 22. That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two maidservants, and 11 sons, crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip, his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. First thing I want us to see about the face of God is it makes a lasting impression. It makes a lasting impression. This last verse says that he was limping as he passed by Peniel and left that place, limping because of his encounter with God, where God, in, in this battle, in this wrestling with him overnight, as we saw, touched his, his hip socket. And he was, he was forever limping in his life after that. Here's the first question I want to pose, uh, pose to you today. Have you ever wrestled with God over some godlessness or some godliness that you've had a struggle with? Have you had a wrestle time with him and, and you've, just, you, you, you've wanted something from God? I need to hear from you here. And it seems like you're silent. Or I've heard from you, but I don't like what I've heard. <laughs> and is there a plan B? Have, have there ever been times in your life where you've wrestled with God and you've known it and you've figured out there is no, there is no workable five-minute solution to this problem? God's got to work this out on the way. He's got to work this out in process with me. But Jacob did. Jacob wrestled with God from, from darkness until daylight. 
And it made a, a, made a lasting impression on him. He says here, I'm going to name this place Peniel, meaning I've seen the God, the God of our fathers face to face, and yet I've, my life's been spared. Meaning that there's power in the face of God. It made a lasting impression on him. So he, he, he leaves with, with, a form, with a form of gratitude in verse 30, and also with, the, with, this, with this limp in verse 31. So the impression here is, is, is both spiritual, leaving with a heart of gratitude, and it is physical leaving with a physical limp in his, in his hip. God often does that with us. He changes our physical circumstances to show us something spiritual in the middle of them or changes our spiritual circumstances so that we'll see the physical in a different way than we did before. And it either no longer has the significance it did or perhaps in some cases by way of prayer for someone else's healing, it has more significance than it did before. And so that's, that's often how God works with us in, 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 as he wrestles with us, as he wrestles for our heart, our emotions, our mind, our will, is it manifests itself both spiritually and physically at the same time. And if we start to look for that, we'll not be surprised by it. We'll, we'll start to see this is how God shows up. This is how he speaks to me. This is how he moves in my life and in the circumstances around me. And that's, 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 oftentimes he, he develops a track record with us and he stays consistent with that track record in how he speaks to us, how he moves in us, and how he moves around us. And it is altogether both spiritual and physical oftentimes. If we'll look for it, we'll see that. So, can, you, can others around you, is my question in this, can others around you see the lasting impression that being with God has made on your life? Have you ever been in an encounter where, maybe not physically, but metaphorically and, and almost, almost physically sometimes, you've seen him face to face. You've seen the face of God in this circumstance or in that, or in the voice of this person or in this song or in this, this word or in this piece of scripture. You've seen, it's as if God is staring you in the face and saying, here's what I want you to see, here's what I want you to get and, and understand and move on. If those encounters change us. They, they, they change us because we've been in a holy place. We've, we've seen a spiritual and holy God and have reckoned with him and have wrestled with him. And sometimes a private place, oftentimes a private place. And God chooses to show up in those places and, and give us an encounter that we will never, ever forget. I've told you this story before some of you, but when God called me out of concert ministry and into church vocation, I didn't want to, I, didn't, I, had, I had no desire whatsoever to, to, to minister in a local church. I seen that at Squaresville, and I wanted nothing at all to do with, with you know, wearing a suit and standing up in front of a bunch of people, waving my arms. Had no desire whatsoever to do that. So I told God, "You're going to have to, you're going to have to rock my world to get me, get my attention to, to tell me this is what you want me to do." And I was in prayer that morning with him in a barn, and and uh, and it was a dark, dreary, rainy day, and, and so I just I, I put God to the test. I I didn't mean to do so, but I had no desire to do this. Said, you're going to show me this is what you want. I get up out of that prayer, open the doors to this barn, and it's as black as ace of spades, except about 10 feet in front of me is a, is a round circle of sunlight that God has shone down. You see, when God speaks to you, it changes you. And when you've had, had an encounter with him that you know is him, it, it, it moves you forever. And so as, as I step into this light, it's as if God says, here it is. You wanted something radical, here's something radical. And so both willingly and reluctantly, I followed his obedience and what he, what he was calling me to do. But those moments where, as I said, in that moment was both physical in this 
in this tiny beam, beam of sunlight that was coming from, a, from an otherwise black sky right in front of me. I knew that was, that was God's hand and his voice. And it was both physical and it was both spiritual at the same time. And he, and he does those kinds of things. Look for both of those, look for God to work in, <clears throat> excuse me, in both of those ways. If it's something physical you're praying about, he's also something, up to something spiritual in you. If it's something spiritual you're praying about, he's probably up to something physical in you too. Look for him to work in both of those ways. He did that in Jacob's life. And Jacob, he was forever changed because of it. He makes, the face of God makes a lasting impression on us. Now turn to Numbers, chapter 6, if you, over a few books. We're going to see here that the face of God is a source of grace and peace. Numbers, chapter 6, verses 22 to 26. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Turn his face toward you and and give give you peace. He says, tell Aaron, in verse 22 and 23, Tell Aaron, and tell Aaron to tell his sons. In essence, to say, this needs to be a multi-generational thing. This is a pivotal truth that I'm about to, to share with you about the face of God shining upon you, about his face being a source of grace and peace. When that is the case, he said, you will see the face of God as a, as a source to you that is both power and providence. A source to you that says, my grace is sufficient for you and my peace will come overshadow you regardless of your situation. He says, this is a multi-generational truth. Tell your kids and tell them to tell their kids and tell them to tell their kids that the face of God is a source of grace and peace. When his face looks at us and shines on us, he says in this passage, grace and peace grows out of that. God is gracious to us and is, and, and is a source of peace to us. So grace and peace are found in, this, in, in, in the face of God to illuminate, to light our way. Um, it's because the, the, his, his face here is a source of light. In verse 25, make his face to shine upon you. His face is, is a source of light there. To, to, to reveal the way, it's, it's, it's from this light from the face of God that reveals where we need to go. And it's, it reveals both where we need to walk and why we need to walk there. And so when you see, uh, when you see God at work in you, and God at work around you, revealing a direction to you, it is, it is the face of God looking at your path, looking at your way, saying, here's where I want you to go. Now, as we'll see in a moment, sometimes he gives us the why of why he wants us to go there. Sometimes he doesn't. But it is his grace that opens that path to you. It is his grace that helps you see that and gives you a peace to say, I know God's in this. Just as that sunlight moment was for me, I know God's in this. I was ready to step and move into it because I knew God was all over it. So as he gives us that sense of, here's who I am, here's where I am, and here's what I'm up to, that sense of grace over us, it illuminates our way <clears throat> and then gives us the peace to follow through and walk in it, knowing God's all over this. He's got to bless it. He's got to be in this. It's, it, this is definitely God's will in my life in this situation. Now, whether it's temporary or whether it's permanent, I know God is in this, and so I'm ready, ready to step into him and step into it because of it. Thirdly, the face of God is to be pursued. Turn to First Chronicles chapter 16. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11 says this. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Seek his face always. So is this talk about physically encountering the face of God? No. 
we know that that, that day is, is, is a day ahead of us, a day to come, where we will, in his presence, face to face, in glory, stand before his face and see him. We, we see that description as well in Revelation 4 and 5, or, or I'm sorry, Revelation 7 and 8. And we see the description standing before him of, of the glory around him and the glory in, in the face of God and the face of God illuminating basically all of heaven and all of glory in that, in that, in that, that on, on his throne in chapter 7. So that day is to come where we physically see him face to face. What's he talking about? He's talking about a spiritual encounter, not a physical encounter here. He's talking about look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. So in light of the fact that God's face illuminates, in light of the fact that God's face lights the way and, and helps see the things that we don't see, it is the light in the face of God that is always found in the word of God. How do we seek the face of God then if, it, if it's not physical? If it's spiritual, how do we understand and seek the face of God? We seek the face of God in the word of God. So it, it's, it, it, if, if his ways are found in his face, are found in the illumination of his face, then his principles and his truth for us is found in his word. That's exactly how he speaks. That's the vehicle he uses to us. He uses his spirit as well, but in large part he uses his word. So why does he do that? He gives that, does that to give us both direction and understanding to give us direction in the sense of where we're going and understanding in the sense of why we're going there. That's, that's the, the beautiful thing of the strength of God and the face of God to say, I'm in this, I'm on this, here's where we're going, and here's why we're going there. That, that, that sense of, of God illuminating our way and, and of, of our pursuing him should create a passion in us. And as we just finished up this, this study through Philippians of seeking his joy and trying to reclaim the joy that I've lost in my life, what follows joy is passion, and, and what, should, what should drive passion in us is to, or the vehicle that should drive passion for us is to continually seek the face of God, as he's saying here in Chronicles. Scripture is full of that. That's just one passage I pulled out, but there are, there are about 14 or 15 passages in Scripture where we're admonished both in the Old Testament and New, admonished to seek the face of God, that it's something we're to look for, something we're to pursue, to go after, to find. Why? Because his face illuminates our way. His face is, is the source of light. It illuminates where we're going and why we're going there, both direction and understanding. Gives us wisdom. Gives us a sense of here's who I am. Here's what I'm up to. You can trust me because I'm ahead of you on the path. I'm lighting the path ahead of your way. I'm ahead of you. Pursue me. Come after me. Come after my, seek my face, and you'll find the way that you need to go. Great, great, great counsel for any kid, for any grandkid, for any friend, for any believer who's behind the path on you. If you want to know where to go, seek the face of God. Where do I find the face of God? He's all over this book. He reveals himself to us through this book and says, here I am, seek my way. When you seek my way, I will light your way. Until you seek my way, you'll never see your way. But when you start to seek my way, I will light your way. I will illuminate your way. There'll be a light down in front of that barn to show you, here's where you need to go if you seek my face. If you're, if you're serious about following me and understanding me, he needs to be pursued. The face of God needs to be pursued. Well, it makes a lasting impression. It's a source of grace and peace, and it's to be pursued. Here's three Old Testament examples of the clarity of how the, the, the power and presence and role of the face of God in our lives. So what does it look like physically? It looks like the face of Jesus. Turn to 1 Corinthians verse, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. And we want to see that the face of God is seen in his Son. 1 Corinthians Second Corinthians, I'm sorry. What did I say? Yeah, Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses four to six. Second Corinthians four, four to six. Huh? I didn't say two, but I corrected it to say four. Second Corinthians four, four to six. 
The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, watch this, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. What is he saying? He's saying, the glory is displayed, the, the glory of God is displayed in the face of Christ. The wisdom of God is displayed in the face of Christ. He's saying here, he said, unbelievers are blind to this. They don't see this. They're not going to get this. If you talk about the glory of God, you talk about the face of Christ being the face of God, they're going to totally, they're not going to get it. They're going to have to have me in them to understand this. This is something that is spiritually motivated and spiritually perceived and understood. He says, they're going to have to see me and know me to see this. So the image of God uh, there in verse 4 is found in Christ, in the face of Christ there in verse 6. So Jesus said in, said in John 14, if you've seen me, responding to the question, where is the Father? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you're looking at me, you're looking at God. In essence to say, I am the, embod- the physical embodiment of a spiritual God. What God looks like with skin on is me. And we should, that should be a great takeaway for us to say that the deity, of, the deity of Christ should never be in question in your heart. And I want to tell you, this world wants to undeify Jesus. It wants to make him a nobleman, a nice man, a prophet, a good guy. Just another, uh, another one to whom we look to for wisdom and those kinds of things. But if he's not God, he's not anything. And if he's God, he's everything. And he is both God and everything. And so Jesus says, I'm the embodiment. I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the image, the, the physical image of this spiritual God. So as you've looked at God, you've seen me. Um, I wonder if, you, if, if Mary realized as she looks into the face and, and cleans the face of, of, of this baby Jesus in her arms, I wonder if she realized she's looking into the face of God. I think she did. Uh, I think as she looked into, into the face of God, the encounter with the angel came back to her to say, it's going to blow you away. It's like nothing you've ever experienced before. I'm going to in, in, put a baby inside your womb, holy, holy, the Holy Son of God inside your womb, supernaturally, for you to give birth to. And as that pregnancy grew, the power of that promise grew. And as, as the power of that promise grew, the anticipation grew. As, it, as the anticipation grew, that, that day of delivery grew. And so here she is in this barn. I don't, honestly... I don't think she cared. Now, I'm sure she would have liked a hotel room or a hospital, or a hospital room or, or you know, some, an epidural or something else. I'm sure she would have probably been fine with all of that, but I don't, I don't think at this, this point she, I think she, all she had her mind on was God's coming into the world. God's coming into the world. And I'm the vehicle for his coming into the world. And so I think as she gives birth to, to baby Jesus and looks into his face, I think fully she accepts this is what the face of God looks like. Now, it's a tiny baby. It's going to grow up to be a man, but this is what the... I've wondered what God, what, always what he looked like, and this is what he looks like. Gave her that unique opportunity to look into his face. Um, see, Jesus entered the world not like a human, but as a human. Now, why did he do that? He did that to connect with us to say, I get you. I understand you. You're hurting? I get it. I've hurt too. You're, 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 you're frustrated? I'm frustrated too sometimes. I've been frustrated too. You're, you're broken sometimes. I've been broken too. Um, you're, you're weary. You get tired. I'm weary. I get weary. weary. See, in, in physically embodiment of the, of, the, of the power and the faith and presence of God 
into the life of Jesus. Let him walk where we walk, not like us, but as us. In other words, to say, I am fully God and fully man. I am fully human, fully divine at the same time. To see and to show us how to walk in this world, in his way. So, as I said, he wants you to know that he gets you. He understands how you feel, and he's faced what you face. Um, If we find ourselves asking questions, does God care when I'm sad? Well, take yourself back to the tomb of Lazarus. And there's Jesus in the form of God. Tears down his face, experiencing the sadness of his friend that he just lost. He knows he's about to come back to life, but he's still experiencing the grief and sharing the grief of his friends, Mary and Martha. There he stands at Lazarus' tomb. You want to know if Jesus experiences sadness, understands your sadness? He does, because he's been there too. If you wonder whether Jesus experiences, <coughs> you wonder whether Jesus notices that you're afraid and senses your fear, senses your anxiety. Realize and see him coming across the water, the top of the water in the middle of a storm with a look of resolve in his face, walking toward 12 guys he knew was about to change the world, seeing them as the vehicle into where you and I sit today. And with resolve, he he weathers the storm to calm their fears, to say, I know you're afraid. You don't have to be afraid, though, when I'm with you, and I am always with you. That's where the story, when he gets back in the boat, that's where that story goes. He says, your fear is unwarranted when I'm present. In essence, that's what he's saying. And he says, I get it. I understand your fear. I've been afraid, too. I've seen fearful things, too. And I want you to know that I get and I understand your fear. If we, if we wonder whether God can accept rejection or not, or whether Jesus understands and gets our rejection, take yourself to this encounter with Magdalene and, and find the, the compassion in his face as he stoops up from riding in the, in, the dirt, in the dirt to look up at the face of a woman who's broken, nonetheless embarrassed and broken in front of him, and says, where are your accusers? Nobody, Lord. Then neither do I. Go and sin no more. You understand what, if you understand that, what, what that face of compassion looks like, what that face of resolve in the face of fear looks like, what that face of, that tear-stained face that understood fear and sadness looks like, he gets us. That's what all those stories are about. He gets us. He understands us. Whatever, we, whatever we're walking through or have been through or about to go through, he's been there. He gets it. And not only been there and gets it, but been there and gets it with a sense that I've got designed this. I've got a plan for this. It's not just to show you that I feel what you feel, that, I under, that I've been where you are. It's to show you that not only have I been where you are, but I'll take you through where you are to where I am. So that in this, you see more of me, not, not more of this circumstance or more of this sadness or more of this hurt or rejection or confusion, but you see more of what I'm up to in your life. You see more of the fact that I've got designed to all of this. I don't just allow this. Sometimes I directly bring it into your life to refine you, to make you look, think, act, walk, talk, pray, more like me. That's what he's up to. The face of God can be seen in the Son of God. And the Son of God's face is all those things and more. We see the, the, the entire New Testament full of, of him and his way. So why is the face of God so important? Well, it's vitally important because everything changes when we encounter him face to face. Everything changes when we see his face. Our circumstances change. Our, our outlook changes. Our priorities change. Uh, Jacob left drastically changed from that wrestle with God overnight. Never forgot it the rest of his life. A promise that God made and a touch on his body that God made. Never forgot it. We, we, we leave after we've had a face-to-face encounter with God changed. Now, whether that encounter happens at church, whether that happens at home, whether that happens in your car, 
we can encounter the face-to-face presence of God and, and be the same. We're going to leave those encounters changed. My question to you is this. How long has it been since you've been there? How long has it been since you've had a face-to-face, seemingly at least, if not physical, spiritual, a face-to-face encounter with, encounter with God where you, you, you could almost reach out and touch him? The, the power and the presence of God in that moment was so thick you could almost physically feel the presence of God. How long has it been since you've had one of those encounters with him? Or have you ever? It changes us. It changes sorrow to hope. It changes fear to faith. It changes uncertainty to confidence. His encounters face-to-face change us. They change our outlook. They change our motivation, change our motives. Because he took on your face, took on physical skin in the hopes that you would see his. He took on your face, not physically, but your face symbolically, took on a human body in hopes that you would see his. Do you? Have you? Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, I'll heal their land. What's the vehicle? Seek my face. Seek my face and I'll respond with healing, with forgiveness, with direction. Seek my face and you'll see me show up in your life. When, you, when we seek the face of God, we, don't, we, we can't leave those encounters the same. We'll leave changed. And more like him for having seen him in a far more clear and relevant way. Have you done that? Have you been to those places? He longs for you to come. He beckons for us. Come after me. Seek my face. Um, well, there'd be no greater service you could do your family, your friends this Christmas than to get a glimpse of the face of God. Look at it in the face of Christ and see the face of Jesus loving on you, caring on you, having, having compassion for your sadness, walking you through places of hurt and disappointment and anxiety and fear. and See him in the storm. See him by the tomb. See him in, Mag- in front of Magdalene. You'll see the faces of Christ become everything we need in those moments for us. And he is, and he does, every day.